Hi, this is Tom Compton. You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's podcast for WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to continue on from our discussion last week with the article that Chuck Carlson wrote, Devaluation Risk of Shekel Bonds. Since that time, Chuck has been doing further research on the issue, and it's even more amazing. His groundbreaking uh, research has unearthed some more quite revealing information, and this latest piece is entitled, New Laws Allow States to Buy Israeli-Issued U.S. Securities. Leslie, would you please read the story for us, and then we're going to discuss it. New Laws Allow States to Buy Israeli-Issued U.S. Securities by Charles E. Carlson, March 6, 2013. How Israel is dodging its bad credit history by selling dollar bonds. A history of two destroyed currencies might well have precluded Israel from selling its own shekel bonds. So back at the turn of the 21st century, it seems to have invented a counterfeiting scheme to sell U.S. bonds to Americans. It now issues bonds in America payable in dollars, not shekels. The problem is the program was a success, and Israel now owes, or will soon owe, more dollars than it can ever repay because... It cannot reprint U.S. dollars as it prints shekels. What is Israel's solution? Sell more dollar bonds and use the proceeds from the new bonds to pay off the old bonds. In this article, I will differentiate this practice from a Ponzi scheme. Israel may well be the power behind change in U.S. state laws. The Development Corporation for Israel, DCI, with a New York address and U.S. stockbroker connections, is the bondmonger that has been working this project for years, with few noticing. I discovered Israel dollar bond huckstering only when someone told me of an impending change to the laws in the state of Colorado, such that only Israel could benefit and Coloradans, especially state employees, could only lose. It seems DCI has set up 25 sales offices across the U.S. to market Israel's Jubilee Bond Series 7. It came as a shock to me that Jubilee Bonds, probably first issued in 1998, are denominated in dollars, not shekels, the currency I had to buy and use when I was in Israel. Can a foreign state legally sell bonds denominated in U.S. money, and why should they want to? Israel cannot print dollars, so how can it commit to repaying billions of U.S. dollar bonds? The answer seems all too obvious. Israel doesn't plan to repay these bonds. It is a small country, smaller in business than Finland or Greece, with less natural resources than the state of Colorado or Arizona. Eventually, the bonds must fail 
because the only way Israel can come up with billions of dollars to pay off what they tell us is their seventh series of dollar bonds is to issue many billions of new shekels in IS to buy U.S. dollars in the world currency market. But this shekel for dollars scheme cannot work for obvious business reasons. If Israel sells billions of NIS, a very thin currency, will drop in the world currency market as did the old shekel in 1985. This would destroy Israeli businessmen and investors because they have their assets in NIS and are doing business in NIS. Since Israeli politicians cannot allow this to happen, the dollar bonds will eventually have to be allowed to default, even though Israel claims it has never missed a bond payment. The only other course would be for the United States government to take over the Israeli-issued U.S. dollar bonds, and this would be an act of criminal theft against every American citizen too brazen to be contemplated. Contrary to what it claims, Israel has poor credit history, forget meaningless ratings. In its brief 65-year history, Israel has already cast two of its currencies on the trash heap of worthless paper money. If investors understand this, they won't touch Israeli bonds. That's why these Jubilee bonds are denominated in dollars, not NIS, new shekels. This history of devaluation is explained in my paper dated February 24, 2013, Devaluation Risk of Shekel Bonds. The appeal of the Jubilee bonds is that DCI offers maturity dates similar to U.S. Treasury bills, notes, and T-bonds but returns double the going rates for U.S. instruments. Obviously, the target market for the bonds is large investors who buy fixed-income, ultra-conservative treasury instruments. While the income is low, U.S.-issued dollar bonds cannot default because the U.S. government can print money to pay them off. Not so when Israel issues bootlegged bonds they must eventually default because Israel cannot print dollars. The U.S. dollar is America. We own it like a copyright. It represents our values. I ask, who gave this foreign state the right to sell bootleg U.S. dollar bonds in competition with our own government, which we are told is in desperate need of dollars to avert another financial cliff? It is the much discredited U.S. Security and Exchange Commission that has licensed the sale of these bonds. It is the much discredited U.S. Security and Exchange Commission that has licensed the sale of these bonds in our 50 states in competition with our own U.S. securities. One difference between Bernard Madoff's scheme that sent him to jail and the sale of I dollar bonds is that Israel got permission to sell from the SEC. Madoff did not. 
Someone with Israel's interest at heart is instigating changes in U.S. state laws to allow state-controlled money to be invested in Israeli bonds. The best place to stop this abuse is at the state level. Our 50 states are all strapped financially and have little long-term money to invest. The real target is not the Treasury, but the biggest investment accounts in the states the employee retirement funds, which have a lot of money to invest. In Colorado, retirement accumulation is in its 80th year, and PERA, Public Employees Retirement Association, according to its own statement, holds over $37 billion in global equities investment, of which $8 billion is fixed income. The pension plans in other states are much larger, some with more assets than Israel has. That is enough money to keep Israel going for a while. So how does Israel, a foreign government with bad credit, which according to its own prospectus cannot be sued if it does not pay, how does this Israel tap into these huge caches of wealth owned by U.S. state employees but administered by agencies of those states and overseen and limited by laws governing the investment of such monies. Israel appears to be in the process of changing these state laws, one at a time. In Minnesota, citizens are suing the states to try to stop such investment. In Colorado, the bill pending in the state legislature is Senate Bill 176-13 that would authorize the state treasurer to invest state money in debt obligation backed by the full faith and credit of the state of Israel. The Development Corporation for Israel advertises diversify with Israeli bonds. Its sales office in Arizona is located on Posh South Lakeshore Drive in Tempe. Israel is currently offering $1.23 billion of Jubilee fixed-rate bonds seven series. The prospectus filed with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission on December 15, 2010, updated, tells us that as of December 31, 2012, I'll still try, okay, Israel is currently offering $1.235 billion of Jubilee fixed-rate bond 7 series as of December 15, 2010. The updated prospectus tells us as of December 31, 2012, $735 about half of the total issue, had already been sold in the U.S., and that $74.1 million in sales commission will be paid to the bond salesmen who could be salesmen for American banks and stockbrokers. So the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission is complicit in this bond scheme. The Jubilee bonds literature state, the Israel bonds are a reliable means of preserving capital, diversifying portfolios, and obtaining protection from market fluctuations, Israel has never missed payment of principal or interest 
since the first Israel bonds were issued in 1951. Is this true? Yes, a small technical truth that sells a big lie. Israel may not have missed a payment because the bonds issued up to 1986 were redeemable in the Israeli pound and later the old shekel, both of which were diluted into the ash can of money history. Israel did not have to repudiate its debt. It just diluted the currency by printing more and more and went on paying off creditors with worthless money like hundreds of overextended governments throughout history have done. Conclusion. Israel's bondmongers are targeting state treasuries with the blessing of the Securities and Exchange Commission. Eventual default is predictable for I-dollar bonds based on Israel's past history of debt avoidance by currency devaluation and the massive size of these bond issues. State representatives should take action to protect state's treasury and pension fund accounts. Chuck Carls. All right, thank you, Leslie, and thank you, Chuck, that again adds some more interesting light. You might want to tell us a little bit about what's going on in the state there with the issue. Okay, the state of Colorado has tabled their bill that would allow the state treasurer to buy Israeli bonds. The treasurer of the state has never been allowed to use any state money, which they, of course, collect from the taxpayers. They've never been allowed to invest that in any foreign security, always they're limited to basically United States Treasury bonds. And so uh, this law would uh, exclusively allow Israel to get in on that. Uh, However, we're not too sure that's the ultimate objective of Israel, and they've tabled this bill temporarily, and it uh, leads us to more and bigger things as we start looking at other sources, kinds of state money that are available, and of course we've mentioned the pension plans that state employees benefit from when they finally retire. For instance, Colorado has been collecting money from pensioners for their retirement for 80 years, and they literally have billions, multi-billions, there's $8 billion of fixed income assets in the state's fund, which would be a really big target for the state of Israel to dip into. We don't know the outcome of this, but we do know and we do firmly suspect this is going on all over the country, and we're trying to initiate an investigation to find out just how far this goes beyond Colorado. In the state of Minnesota, a group of taxpayers who are suing the state, trying to force them to quit buying Israeli bonds, and in Minnesota they use them in lots and lots of pension funds and employee, uh, state employee plans for retirement. Uh, We don't know uh, what other states are doing yet. We hope to find out. Any questions you have after listening to Leslie read the uh, letter? Or Leslie, do you have a question? How this works or anything I can answer? Well, you look at, uh, you think of uh, Colorado as not a a very large state, Chuck, and just a few states away, you've got uh, California with 35 million people, I think it is. That's yes. close to three times the size of of the country of Israel. And so, you know, a real plum would be getting some of those monies invested from 
the public employees of, of California. Those that would make the uh, yes. Colorado look like a small-time penny ante operation. The employees' pension plan in the state of California it is, as you said, actually bigger than the state of Israel. It has more money than the state of Israel takes in in gross national product every year. So it is enormous. Now, we can't lose sight of the fact that the first reason we're objecting to all this is that Israel uses all this money uh, in their war efforts and war campaigns, and they're beating the drum for another war in Iran right now. Only yesterday, Netanyahu came out and pronounced that uh, it's all but imminent that we have war in, in Iran because he claims that they're not complying. The United Nations says they are complying. But Israel simply says, no, they're not, and it's time for war. So all of this money that's raised from bonds or whatever source ends up being funneled into abuse of uh, the neighbors of the state of Israel. And this is why we, the first reason why we care. Of course, uh, obviously, we don't think that state money should be, should be wasted. It might be helpful if I give you a little explanation that I planned to give the committee yesterday as to how this bond default happens and why it is unavoidable. You might picture yourself as the Knesset, the uh, governing body of the state of Israel. And into the chambers walks the prime minister, who's now Netanyahu, and whoever that might be in five or ten years, he comes in and announces to the legislature, ladies and gentlemen of the Knesset of the state of Israel, we have a bit of a problem. We currently owe a billion dollars of bonds to Israeli citizens payable in uh, NIV or shekels. Uh, unfortunately, we also owe $2 billion of bonds payable to American citizens, which is payable in dollars. Now, we've gone down to the Federal Reserve Bank because we don't have uh, the money to pay these bonds off, and they tell us that they can issue to us the shekels we need to pay off the Israeli citizens. And so that will be handled. We'll just give the Federal Reserve Bank, oh, by the way, which in Israel is called the Central Bank. It's a big block building. We'll just give the Israeli Central Bank a note for the billion uh, shekels, and they'll give them to us, and we'll pay off the uh, bondholders in Israel. Uh, but unfortunately, they tell us that they cannot print dollars to pay off the dollar bonds that we owe in the United States. They say all they can do is give us 10 billion shekels, uh, which is, gonna, is what it will take to pay off these bonds, and we will have to go into the currency market and buy 2 billion American dollars with the 10 billion shekels. Now, ladies and gentlemen of the Knesset, the problem is this will destroy the shekel. It will drive it down an estimated 25% in one day. Uh, therefore, we are asking you how you would solve this solution since you approved the sale of these bonds in America in the first place. Now, imagine somebody in the Knesset standing up and saying, uh, Mr. Prime Minister, what happens if we don't pay the Americans? What if we just don't pay nothing and do nothing more? What happens? And then the Prime Minister says, well, I've read the prospectus for the Jubilee bonds issued in 2010, and it says that the Americans cannot sue us. And I suspect that that is the correct American law, 
and that uh, since it was in the original prospectus, the Americans won't be able to sue us for the money. Now, what do you think the conclusion will then be? Someone will say, we're not paying them, and that's the end of it. Now, this is the way the whole mechanism works in terms of the currency markets, because, of course, the shekel is a tiny currency. The American dollar is a huge currency. To buy 2 billion American dollars in the shekel market is almost unthinkable. It would be like going into the Greek market and buying $10 billion of U.S. money. Just, you just could not do it without destroying the currency. So that's the root of the reason that inevitably the shekel uh, will prevail. It will continue to go on, but uh, the dollar bonds will, uh, of course, fail. There was once an Englishman named uh, Lord Gresham who stated this in terms of a, a monetary law, which became known as Gresham's Law, and it's been quoted by many in many times, and that means that a country cannot have two currencies in circulating, circulation at the same time. One will destroy the other. And so this is sort of an outgrowth of Gresham's Law. Israel is essentially getting involved in owing two different currencies at the same time. Does that help to understand this? Yes, it does. And it is kind of discouraging to see this kind of activity going on, but it's all the more reason for eternal vigilance to these kinds of things. I think Americans should be upset by these kinds of actions and, and particularly potential victims in state uh, federal pension programs I think want to avoid these kinds of investments, given all the facts that you delivered here, Chuck. Well, we, we think so, and we think this is a wonderful opportunity because we know we're going to find where literally billions have been sold because this is the seventh series of these things to be sold, and Israel has 25 of these sales offices around the country, mostly in big financial centers like Los Angeles, New York, and Boston. Uh, but there's also one there in Phoenix, Arizona. So with all that sales power, obviously they plan to sell a lot of these. And we think that they will also end up selling a lot of them to individuals because, of course, what they're offering is here is twice the yield that the American can get on a United States Treasury bond that has the same maturity date. So if you can buy the Israeli dollar bond and get... 4% and the American equivalent gets only 2%, then there are going to be a lot of people that will buy these. And believe it or not, a lot of them will probably be Jewish Americans. So we're hoping to stir them up when we tell them. We hope that they'll get excited when they learn this. And uh, we're doing our best to finish the research needed to do this. Yes. And as we know, all that glitters isn't gold. We can recall you mentioned Bernie Madoff, Many, many Jewish uh, wealthy people were beguiled by uh, Mr. Madoff and lost large sums of money in his genuine Ponzi scheme. Right, right. And the same thing will happen here. And since Israel has to, their only recourse, of course, to pay off bonds is to sell more and more and more in an accelerating amount so they can pay off the old ones and and pay all the security salesmen and still have something left to uh, keep the war going back there against the Palestinian people or perhaps against the Iranians. Or, you know, maybe the other solution for Israel is to uh, 
declare themselves a U.S. bank and get in the in the queue for future uh, bailouts by our Federal Reserve uh, system. Yes, Tom. Well, I wish you wouldn't have said that because it could come to that. And we need to head this off before it gets to the place where our government uh, is uh, stands up and says, well, don't worry about it. We'll just take over Israel bonds. So we don't want that to happen either, or then we end up paying for it. Yes, that's, that's exactly right. The, the taxpayers pay for it. Well, thanks very much, Chuck, for this. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. And please visit our website, whtt.org. You will find a wealth of information and resources like the latest Pharisee Watch and unheralded news articles. Also, you can order our new video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Even though this video is copyrighted, we don't mind if you copy it as long as you copy all of it. Then you can educate your friends and acquaintances about the dangers of Christian Zionism. Start small, think big, and press on toward the straight gate.